Hello, Carrie. Hello, Sandra. Who are we? The Screaming Divas, as always. Hello. Hello, in the woods. You're in, in the woods. I'm definitely in the woods, in the winter wonderland. I'm in a dressing room in Paris. <laughs> and today, I'm going to introduce who we interviewed today. Do it. Do it. His name is David Walker, former singer, opera singer, countertanger, and now... The general director of Palm Beach Opera, which is really super cool and the story of how that happened, but primarily the story of what they are accomplishing right now. Woohoo! One of, if not the first, opera companies to do a staged opera during the pandemic, post pandemic, whatever we call this time that we're living in right now. Insanity. With orchestra, with chorus, with an audience. Unbelievable. It happened, people. It's happening. There are still tickets available if you live down there or want to get down there, however you want to safely get down there. It is so cool. We have so many of our friends there right now that are able to sing. Some of them haven't sung in a year. So this was just big news. We really wanted to promo Pommy Chopra and David and his team and their vision of making this happen in this insanity. So thank you. And thank you for working so hard to make this happen. Really. Absolutely. Keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, we love you. And here's a clip. Clip. Now that you are running this ship or head of this wonderful opera company that I love so dearly, what do you what plans do you have for the future? What do you want your stamp to be on PBO? Well, you know, I didn't really realize that I've already started to put the stamp on PBO, certainly in terms of showing resiliency, um, ingenuity, creativity. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to increasing the artistic standard here. It's been excellent, but let's keep going. Let's keep going in those directions. I look forward to continued training of resident artists. I would like to see if we can do more productions. Cool. I know we're seasonal, mm -hmm. but we used to do a performance in December, which around the Great Recession, I think we had to remove it right. in those regards. I would like to see us even be even more, what's the right way to phrase this? integrated into this community here. I, I know what we need to do nationally and for the industry, which is wonderful. Right. But this community is a, it's unusual community because there's so much extraordinary wealth right up against extremely underserved communities. Yes. Right. And we do, we do really great with education and community engagement programs. Mm -hmm. I'd like us to find more. I'd like us to find more and be more regularly in their lives, not just one-offs. Right. You know? Yeah. Those types of things. I hope you drink out of that bottle. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> it's happening. Hello? Hello? No! <laughs> there you are! Hi, lovelies. Hello, lovely yourself. How are you? I am so good. I can't, I'm just so happy to see your faces. I know. It's so Look good to see your faces. Face. It's so good to see your face too. Hi. <laughs> I just want to just tell you that um, it's a little later here in Paris. So I stopped at the grocery store. Mega, don't stop. <laughs> Hold up. Is that the Floridian Santa, the Floridia Santa with the sunglasses? It is. 
It's wait, what what month are we in? You know, <laughs> it doesn't mean that there may not be something in there. Ooh, in your office. I'm kind of loving that. Mm. You're gonna see me drinking out of a bottle because I am in my dressing room in Paris and there is no glass here. Oh my gosh, I love that. I mean cheers. Cheers, Carrie. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Happy 20, whatever we're in. What? I don't what? Where are we? What? You know, <laughs> nice Sandra. <laughs> a small fun moment. Who's that? Is that Carrie Alpha? Oh my Jesus. Is what that is her thing? At her singing in Tosca Palm Beach Chopper. Wait. Oh my Jesus. Who's, oh, Who's that? Oh, that's me. Fabulous gala artist. I wasn't there when you weren't there when I did Louise Miller, right? No. No. No one. No. And Carrie, I wasn't there before your Tosca with us. A few other times you performed here. Right. Yeah. 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 Palm Beach Chopper is home for me. It's where I grew up. So, I mean, I was there, we both were there with Maestro, when Maestro Guadagno was, was running the ship. So, steering. That's how old we are. Indeed. <laughs> how are you doing? So, so, how are things in Palm Beach? Talk They're very, it. very good. I'm on cloud nine right now. We just opened our new outdoor festival. It's incredible. I think, I think that we're one of the first in the nation to do it on this large of a scale with a full orchestra, full chorus, major, major principles. And I'm sorry you're not seeing with us. It's the only thing that's missing, both of you. I mean, seriously, David, seriously, listen. You know, when this all happened for all of us, I just thought, you know, what we need to turn over every single stone to still figure out how to perform and produce live opera. Right. And, you know, we took it on as a mission and we, it is part of our mission, but we basically killed ourselves to do it, but it's so worth it. The singers, the orchestra, the audience, you know, we haven't had it for like a year. And so we've worked on it for over nine months and, but just being there in the audience and all the rehearsals and just for the performance, you just start crying. You just, I just started crying because of what we were able to do and how much we've missed it and how important it is. Live opera is so transformative. Yeah. yeah. And we're really, it really brings hope and healing back. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know? A lot of healing. And I, I think that right now people need that so much. I've been fortunate enough to, to get out and perform and the response that people have, it, it's overwhelming mm -hmm. and they, they crave it, they want it. Yes, they're doing online things and yes, they're watching all of that, but it's just, you can't replace it. You right. just can't replace live music. You know, that's, really a, that's a really good point too, because we, we thought about the work for virtual and digital like everybody did in the, in the summer and I, I had us hesitate because while we may be good at it, we're, we're not skilled at that. And that's not what our patron base in this community really does. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, kudos to everybody who's figuring that out. I want to make my directions really figure out how to make live opera happen. And you also have the wonderful part of that. I don't, that's not the right adjective that I wanted to use, but you also are very fortunate that you live in a state that has beautiful weather almost year round. So very true. when you normally have your operas, which is in the springtime, January through, I can't remember, March, April, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you're able to put this outside, which is amazing and fabulous. So that's also a wonderful thing that you have down there. So you can't have, you have that option. That's true. We we're very fortunate and thankful for that. 
tell me this, David, you took over, if I'm correct, you took over as general director of Palm Beach Opera in October 2019. Is that correct? Correct. I was appointed designee or designate in May of 2019 and then took okay. over officially in October 2019. And before that was the managing director. Right. So, um, because we want to talk about that later, but as far as Palm Beach Opera is concerned, general director, is this the first season that you planned was during the pandemic or was it last year? I've been part of the planning for a few years, okay. but in terms of soul planning, yes, yeah. this was this was the first year. And you know, what what a gift to try to do it in a COVID year. You know, Opera America has been so great in terms of having um, just breakout sessions since the COVID, COVID really hit with general directors or development or artistic. And there's a special class of, I guess I call it the first year general directors COVID class. Okay. You know, nothing, nothing like, nothing like that. I mean, the season was going spectacularly. Our turned out was incredible. Okay. It was the best selling production in like 12 season. Barbara Seville was a joy. And then, and then yeah. you're welcome. Here comes a global pandemic crisis. <laughs> you know what you you learn a lot from it i'm sure yeah and smu right boy carrie and i we were just discussing that how how much we've learned uh in the last year not only about ourselves but about the art form mm -hmm. about communications and about how how we are communicating with the world since our voices have to be silent mm -hmm. and it's it's difficult and all the all the other artists that are struggling and suffering. And for you to bring this yeah. opportunity to so many artists, let alone the audience, we'll put that aside, but artists struggling. Mm -hmm. uh, and American artists, especially, I'm gonna say yeah. American and Canadian. I mean, on this side of the pond, we haven't been able to do what Europe's been able to do. And so, especially live with an audience. So I think, I mean, it's amazing, David, congratulations and kudos to you for making it happen and for having the vision to do it. You and your team, I'm sure. I mean, it's just really brilliant. I loved the Opera News article, FYI, anybody that hasn't checked it out, check it out. It's in the January issue um, that talked about your idea for a festival. And I have, and we also need to tell everybody that your career started out as an opera singer. So you are now on the other side of the footlights and you understand both sides, which is huge. And we really yeah. want to talk about that. I am sorry, David. I was like, boom. but I really yeah. love that because you have worked in festivals, you understand festivals from mm -hmm. behind the footlights and now you're on the other side. Um, I love, we wanted to talk to you about what your vision is for the future for Palm Beach Opera going forward. Sure. First of all, kudos to you two also for creating this series. I mean, being inventive and creative and doing this important platform for not only yourselves, but so much, so many people in the industry. So thank you both for doing that. We've had fun. <laughs> Wait, cheers to that. Yeah. Oh, cheers yes. That. Cheers moment. Yeah. Cheers. Yes. Excuse mm -hmm. to drink online. Come on, people. Can I, can I just tell a quick story about this cup? Yes. Yes, please. So Believe it or not, you know Steve Perry from Journey? Yes. Hello, singers. You should know him, right? His cousin worked on our staff. And so this came about. I haven't sung in 10 years. That's amazing. That brilliant, David. Brilliant. <laughs> so, okay, you're in the festival now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk to us about that. 
And also about Palm Beach Opera, how is their season different than other opera houses? Sure. So we're in the festival now. So typically what our season is, sort of like Carrie mentioned, it's kind of from December to April. Okay. So it's a very seasonal community. So that's, it's all made it a, a tricky as well that we can, we're not a stagione company that performs from September through April. Right. So we typically have our, our performances in a, an art center, the Kravis Center for Performing Arts, where the lovely Carrie has, and you both have performed. Mm -hmm. And so this season we had three operas scheduled and I decided to keep two of them because of title recognition, mm -hmm. but changed the professors for Pagliacci to just sort of do what we could to help ticket sales and interest for the festival. Mm -hmm. So the festival is two performances of each of those operas over 10 days. Okay. So we've now opened Bohem and Flute and tomorrow night we open Pagliacci, but the audience response, it's been incredible. Uh, Friday night we had 800 people. Wow. Wow. That's, that's not happened yet in the United States, I don't think. Mm -mm, and no. it, you know, I know we want to talk about the future, but I have to tell you, this is, this has been an incredible undertaking for me and my team. And I could not have done it without them. And this board and these patrons and support, this team is amazing. So I need to do a shout out to this team. Incredible people. Love it. I'm very, very fortunate. Love them. Yeah. Uh, but just the whole, the whole safety concern. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out how to create a new season entirely, a festival we've never done before, and then become safety experts on top of that. <laughs> Learning it, curve. I know. So talk us it, through that. What are the safety? What, what are you doing? What did you all figure out what was going to work for PBO? So we started last May and June really studying all the CDC guidelines, World Health Organization guidelines. We started looking at all union recommendations and regulations. We started asking other organizations to share with us what we call the playbook. Mm -hmm. on what they've done, like Atlanta Opera and some other ones, mm -hmm. uh, and also had, had interviews and discussions with general directors of those companies to say what was great and what was not great, and what did we learn, and what would, should we have done differently. Mm -hmm. And we also created a medical advisory team cool. of infectious disease specialists and virology specialists to assist us with that. We got um, a testing sponsorship with a testing ArcPoint Labs Brilliant, because that's my next question, because companies can't afford that here in this country. So I really wanted to know how you pulled that off. Yeah, it's free here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. That was that was difficult. We it wasn't a full sponsorship. OK, so when I was I'll just share this information. When I was budgeting for this back in July, I had no really no idea what I was budgeting for mm -hmm. because we hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah. So I budgeted a much lower amount that I thought was a good amount which in the end, it came out to about at least five to six times more into the hundreds of thousands. So it's it, this has been an extraordinary undertaking. And I think people will say to me that we're genius or brilliant. And I say, comma, crazy. <laughs> also comma, passionate. Yeah, yeah. passionate, commitment, and gumption. There you go. Right? Mm -hmm. yep. I, well, like you said earlier, I had performed at festivals. We, I've been an artist, you guys are artists. That passion, commitment, need, I, 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 we would not, and I have singer uh, folks on the team as well, as pianists and dancers and artists and theater folks. So their commitment to art is so incredible. Love it. But so, so how we're kind of doing it is we have different protocols for different constituents. So we have 
okay. full staff protocol of what that means in terms of working remotely or office. Okay. We have all of our artists as well. Okay. And then we have our production crew okay. as well. Okay. So we had to create different protocols similarly for all of them, but there are some little differences. But for our artists, um, they had to get PCR tests before they came. I think they had to get that because to travel as well. Mm-hmm. And to carry your point too, we really wanted to focus on American artists because we knew all the difficulties with the visas and what was happening. And you just mm-hmm. can't fly. It's right. just not possible. So we're not we're not quarantining them. We're not bubbling them. Mm-hmm. We're asking them when they're not with us in rehearsals to really be committed to the CDC regulations of, of close contact and okay. social distancing and masks. But our rehearsals are everybody's tested regularly. And I'm jumping around a bit, but for our orchestra as well, we have a schedule where if you have aerialization, you get tested more. Okay. So for me, since I'm not singing, I only do it maybe once or twice a week. Okay. For singers, they do it much more frequently as well as wind and brass. Wow. Okay. Okay. So we have this testing facility come to our sites where we have our rehearsals. Brilliant. So it's, it's been a massive undertaking. We had to find four or five different facilities to rehearse all outdoors. Wow. No indoor rehearsals at all. Okay. So we had to tell all of our resident artists who were coming, as well as the principal artists and production crew, everything's outdoors. And are you okay with that? Okay. Because, you know, you can get rained on. There's a lot of wind. It can get cold. It can get really hot. A lot of humidity. Yep. So all the rehearsals were outdoors. All of it is social distance masks all the time the only time singers were allowed to take off masks if they were really social distance and really trying to sing out in a, a run-through okay or is it and the performances as well they okay. can have the mask off and the but chorus we, the chorus is masked except for when they're singing okay so we had to find a huge stage so we were very lucky to find this amphitheater mm-hmm. we've done outdoor performances that were canceled because of rain so i wanted to find an outdoor facility that had a roof yes as well so it's all open and it has a roof so that's very fortunate for us and the stage is very large so we can have a larger chorus a larger orchestra so just think of it from way upstage you've seen this it's we sort of took models from europe yeah the chorus is on risers mm-hmm. social distance the orchestra then is social distance principal singers in the front okay and we all rehearsals were masked all in social distance the whole team became COVID compliance officers. So I've got a certificate. Wow. Wow. I'm going to put it on the wall. <laughs> it's not you there yet. You could add that to your resume. Right? I don't know if there's room with all those diplomas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cheers to that. Hey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheers to that. Mm. We're going to talk about that too. And then, and then we also did, um, we hired three risk mitigation managers who are sort of our COVID cops mm-hmm. who have full authority to keep every one of us in charge, including myself and all of our colorful personalities of artists that we have with us who may Love or may it. not want to participate in that all the time. <laughs> it, it's like, it was such a, it was such a great collaborative experience for everyone. Cool. Um, everyone really, I think at first some folks kind of, um, resisted or felt we may have been talking down to them in terms of what we were requiring. Okay. But then they like that changes, change is scary, change we resist and until 
you kind of, you have to get comfortable with it. And I'm sorry, singing with a mask is impossible. Just wearing a mask all the time is hard, but singing with one is impossible. Exactly. So I know I'm bouncing around back and forth. So we did a lot of research, uh, the team did, and we found out that there's a particular mask that singers were really, really loving and enjoying. And I think we got this idea from Opera Philadelphia, so thank you to them. But it's, here's a plug for Air Queen, but it's the Air Queen mask. Oh. And you see how it's sort of oh, it's away from the face? Yeah. So, yeah. so you have space, you have space to sort of sing. Yeah. It's not smooth for your mouth. Nice. Oh, that's beautiful. I want one. Well, I'll send you some. So we have, so each of the rehearsals, everybody has to get tested. They have to come and take their temperatures. So we have gates set up. Um, they have to get fresh masks for every rehearsal. So if there's a two-day session, they'll get one for the morning session, and then they'll go to lunch and come back and get a fresh one. Oh my gosh, the cost of that, David. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. We really, I mean, we really, we were committed to exceeding all safety protocols and needs. We really were. And we put all this in place and we were also very dynamic in case, like for example, if the two of you came and saying, you said, oh, can we do this? I don't feel really comfortable with that. Can we add that in? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So what kind of government funding did you get or did you qualify for government funding? For this specifically, we didn't, but we did get a PPP loan. Oh, awesome. We, did, we qualified for that. Okay. So at the end of our fiscal year goes from June to May. So the Eugene Onegin that we had to cancel was on March 13th, Friday, of course. Yeah. A lot of organizations did. Yeah. Yes. And we, we immediately went into full-on fundraising mode because I, I realized we need to do this. And we did very well. We actually ended our season with a surplus. Wow. In a COVID year. Congratulations, David. Really, congratulations to you. Yeah, that's no small amount. Yeah. No, it's, uh, Daniel Biaggi was a general director before and the board previously, as well as our team now, is really dedicated to making surplus budgeting, cash reserves on hand. I'm sounding so executive director like. You are, but I love it. <laughs> mm. That's amazing. Because a lot of other opera companies didn't qualify. Some of the larger opera companies didn't qualify for the PPP. Mm -hmm. Do you find that because Palm Beach is not a huge, massive opera company, that that has allowed you to go forward maybe? I think so. I think it allowed us to be nimble. That's a really great point. I think other very large established institutions are very grounded sort of in cement how they work. And we have the flexibility here and a lot of other things like Carrie mentioned the weather. Yeah. So we're, it's also seasonal community, like I mentioned. So we, we know what window we can work within, but I think you're right. Large institutions okay. may not be flexible. That's what we're seeing. You know, a lot of the, even here in Europe, uh, mm -hmm. the larger opera companies, there's too many moving parts and they just can't, they can't open because Carrie and I, we talked with Peter Gelb yeah. and how many reunions were there there, Carrie? 13. 13, he's dealing with 13 unions. I can't. Uh, I mean, that, that is, I mean, just the few that we deal with here, mm -hmm. I can't imagine dealing with 13 because it just makes the cogwheel stop. Yeah. You know, because they're all intertwined and this union yeah. just, it's difficult. Yeah. You know, and we've had to really ask all of our folks, our orchestra, our chorus, when we went over all the safety protocols with him, we said, we need your buy-in. We need you to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. 
will you be a part of this? What do you feel more comfortable with these protocols? What should we change? What should we do? So we've had to get buy-in from all of them, which we were very fortunate to do. And I can't imagine working with more unions that were difficult. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. That's amazing. Um, so with the festival aspect, which I love, I kind of feel like Santa Fe is a festival in that sense, because, you know, so many shows are running at the same time and we're all there together having a great time. You know, there's always some massive party somewhere. FYI people, yes, opera singers are fun to be with. Um, so, yay. So are you, do you want to keep it once we are able to get back into the theaters, whenever that is, um, when you're able to do the Kravitz Center again, do you still want to keep this festival aspect going? You know, I like you both. I love, I love festivals. I love them. They were, just, for some of the reasons you just mentioned, some of my best times performing. Mm -hmm. it, it's mostly because of the fact that so much art is being created at the same time with so many artists. Yes. It's, there's nothing like it. No. It's really, it's collaboration. Mm -hmm. You also get to go watch your uh, fellow colleagues work, yes. learn things from them, just really support them. So I, I would really, I wanted to do something with the festival for the past six or seven years that I've been here as, as have previous folks that were here. We just never really had the right opportunity. Okay. We really didn't. And this sort of, in a way, is a great happenstance of what we had to figure out. So for me and our board and our folks and our team, we're loving it. We're cool. loving it. So to, we are, we're already starting to plan what's for 2022. And at this moment, we're getting back to a little bit normal. Okay. Because we wanted, I wanted to see how, what and how this festival worked for us. Okay, sure. And if it can be in some form on its own in a yeah. another month or Ooh. a smaller scale or something, I think it's, I think it's a really great idea to see how we might be able to keep it a part of. I love that. You we're know, free. You, hmm? we're free. We're going to do Screaming Divas concerts. So just an FYI. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Oh my God. This is like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, we'll see. <laughs> yes. Well, no, no, I'm serious. Count me in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah we're, serious. we're all for it. We're all, yeah, we want to do you're, it. You're already beloved here. I love being down there. It's home. Yeah. With fans, major fans, both of you. Um, tell me this. Oh, wait, sorry. I wanted to make sure that this was said because you talked about all the different weather aspects of Florida because yes, it's, you know, humidity, buggy, windy, rainy, whatever. But you know what? So is Santa Fe. Santa Fe has its own issues with altitude, with being so hot that you are, you just want to walk around naked all the time sometimes. It's dry. It's so dry. So dry. The, so I, dry. I remember like the windstorm coming through during one of the performances and you have no saliva in your mouth. There are oxygen tanks on either side of that um, stage because singers are dying, you know, so, um, oh, the rain comes and it blows sideways and all the instrumentalists start coming, you know, underneath the pit or it has to shut down. And we all still go there and still love to sing there because there's something so special, like you said, about a festival and all of us artists being able to feed off of each other in that way. It's yeah. really just a brilliant thing. So I love that you did it. I hope that it happens again. So yay, yay, PBO. Thank you. And you know, I ate many a bug on the Santa Fe stage. Um, we, I mean, we all did. Protein. What did you do, about that? What did you do? What'd you do in Santa Fe? Handles Agrippina. Ah. I covered you, David. <laughs> Yes. You did? So I want to ask one more question about. Oh, sorry. Sorry. We have to talk about that. Yeah, because Christine Gerke was singing and I covered you. And that's, I think, when we discovered that we both were from Florida State. Yeah, you know, I think 
we keep always talking about this sort of, and I think you think you came a year after me, but I think you came in my final year because we were in opera workshop class together, weren't we? Um, was Michael McConnell teaching the opera workshop class? Oh, yeah. Lord. Oh, my God. This was in, it was in the 90s. <laughs> it was at the I end of the night. Are we the same age? Old you. I think we're close. Um, we record this, David, so we will edit this out. Oh, okay. <laughs> have you found with the pandemic that there are more snowbirds kind of hanging around in Florida and you have more people there to watch the opera and to sponsor it and to donate? Yes, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, more people stay, this community really is snowbird-like and that certain day in May or April, they'll go back up to Northeast. But because of the pandemic, really they couldn't leave. So a lot of them stayed. And then a lot more folks from Northeast came down here. But what we've what we found here is that we did a lot of surveying to see what people would be willing to do and what time of year we were doing that. We did it all summer into the early fall, which is what really helped make the final decisions of doing the festival. Smart. So I tried to really figure out all my facts in something completely unknown in an unknown world about what's happening with a COVID pandemic crisis to decide on the festival. But the fundraising, I, there's so many goals that we've hit and done because of this festival. We've had continuity of presence. We've given people hope and healing. The commitment, passion and gumption that we've showed to our patrons, what we're doing for the artists, that people have really rallied around that in terms of fundraising. And the goals that I set for the fundraisings for the festival, mm -hmm. well past it, hundreds of thousands well past it. So that's very inspiring. It's very inspiring that those people believe in that so much that they, they really want to support it. So the fundraising for all of us has gone very well. Tickets, good, good. Okay. I'd love to do better, but you know, having 800 people or 600 people is fantastic. Brilliant. In the but, middle of a pandemic to be the first opera house, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I would say I would say that our, with our with our patrons here, we've had to change the marketing message maybe four times, depending on what was actually happening with the increase of COVID cases here. Oh, right. So you know that there's been Florida. Yeah, there's been the four or five states that have just sort of been like gold yeah. winners of the rate increases since <laughs> summer. So <laughs> we happen to be one of them. Yeah. Go, go Florida. So whenever we started with a real artistic approach to it and the stars that are coming, then we realized, oh, we need to go real safety, real safety concerns because of very yeah. many. Then we went back to artists, the major artists and the stars and what we're doing. And then we went, had to go back to COVID safety again. Okay. So you'll, you'll see a variety of what, we had to be flexible and dynamic with mm -hmm. yeah. what we were hearing and learning from the people that we wanted to bring this to. Mm -hmm. Wow. And yeah. What is your median? age of your audience and what are you doing i'm gonna assume that it's not 25. <laughs> it isn't it's an older community it's an older and what community. are you doing to bring the younger people in we you know we do we do a lot for the younger community now i'll just say because we know that our bread and butter is this age group okay. we make sure that the marketing promotions to them is really solid and okay. then we make sure to find out how we can do more for different you know um underserved communities or equity, diversity, inclusion. We're really keen on that. Um, mm -hmm. Multi-generational um, LGBTQ communities as well. So with this, we had a lot of opportunity to try different marketing promotions 
to a lot of different demographics. And it was so fantastic at the matinee yesterday, the opening of Flute. I saw um, a group in tuxedos and gowns and then another group in shorts. Love it. Right? Yep. And people, people I've never seen before and people I have seen before. Okay. So it's great. And I do a curtain speech and I sort of warm up the crowd and get them all rowdy. But I, I think what I'm going to do is for the last show, I'm, I'm going to say, can you all just raise your hands and clap when we take a picture? I love that. Yes. Right? Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Plaster that everywhere. Right. So <laughs> and and so record it and keep that applause for the future <laughs> performances. Right. We're trying to make this really approachable, fun, um, and giving them something in their lives that they're not having for a year. Some of our principal stars, you know, you know this very, very well, have not performed since last February. Uh, it'll be March third. Um, it'll be a year, March thirteenth. And I will say, I had the opportunity, but to go and sing, but they wanted me to fly December 28th and after family discussions and we've lost so much already that everyone really had just said, please don't go. We, no one felt safe enough to send me there. And so I had to unfortunately say, I, I don't feel comfortable in going. And that is, I think, so it was so heartbreaking. Um, but where am I going with all that? But it'll, because of I said no to that, it'll be a year on March 13th. And that keeps coming up in my brain. And you're, it is so immensely, I, I don't even know how to put words to it because whoever thought that we would be here. I mean, we all thought, didn't you think, Carrie, didn't you, David, think that, oh yeah, okay, two or three months. Yeah, we'll be fine. I did, you know, and I'll, and I'll admit that when the whole mask thing started, I was one of the resistors. That's okay. Wow. I, I admit it, I thought, what, what, this is ridiculous until I really start, because I didn't understand how it was actually being transmitted. And that's, I find that ridiculous because we as singers are so, I wouldn't say hypochondriacs. No, we're germophobes. We're germophobes. We're germ German allergy phobes. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. So we're, we're well trained to be not touching things and staying away from people and putting on, you know, masks. So mm -hmm. we're well trained for that. We're fine with that. But, you know, when you, when you really discover what this was all about and it takes everybody to make sure that we get through this really well. And, you know, I can't imagine, I, I really feel for you guys very, very deeply. And that was a big part of why I really wanted to do this. I couldn't imagine still be seen right now, you know, yeah. what to do and what to figure out. And, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with some artists that they're sort of having identity crisis a little bit because we put so much into being an artist and it's, yes. And now, you know, like, what are we, who are we, if we can't have what ourselves resonate, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's really to separate the person from the voice. I've really. always said that. And yeah. we, we, as artists, as singers, because all three of us are singers, it, one feeds the other and they become so intertwined that sometimes you lose yourself into your voice or your voice gets lost into you. And you're right. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. been mental health, Carrie and I, we have harped on this a lot, but it, it is the biggest ordeal, I think, of this for artists is keeping our mind healthy and functioning properly and finding the way to do that and finding mm -hmm. the, the avenue to do that. It's Absolutely. Awesome. It seems, Sandra and I were just talking before, before we met with you, that it 
as we get longer into this, as we find out the vaccine rollout in this country is slower, you know, it's just not happening as fast as everybody wanted it to, um, the mental breakdown and the emotional breakdown of this is getting to be so long. And when are we actually going to be able to get back to doing what we love? And what do I do in the meantime? How do I survive in the meantime? Those have been the conversations I've had of late. Um, how do I still keep a roof over my head because it's been this long? You know, how do I keep, what do I do in the meantime? And, and what's been really kind of awesome is that a lot of singers, the positivity in it say, you know what, I can do both. I can actually learn how to, let's take this time to learn computer programming. Let's take this time to do something else. But I'm also keeping this other part of me, you know, well-trained my body and, and fighting shape for it, all this kind of stuff. So I love that, that singers are, you know, we're creative and we're like, hey, how do we make this work? Let's figure it out. We do that every time we walk into a rehearsal room, how do we make this work? So for everyone and to make something cohesive together and beautiful. So how do I make my life work in this way that I can't sing? And that's the positive spin on all this is that there are ways to make this work until we can get on stage again. Those of us that haven't been able to sing. So very well said, Carrie. Yeah, I think you're right in the creativity and ingenuity, the virtual digital, even just small concerts, parking lots, mm -hmm. under a circus tent, what we're doing. I think that that honestly keeps giving hope. It really does keeps giving hope to our industry and people that are in it. And I really, you know, when it really started to hit hard, I thought about, wow, what if I was a young resident artist trying to. I want to talk to you about your resident artists. Yeah. What are they yeah. doing? Yeah. So, so for us, it was, we ever, we're, we care a lot about our resident artist program. So we did not, we know because of what we wanted to do in terms of just principal artists, we wanted to make sure that we still had that for resident artists mm -hmm. so that other resident artists are seeing resident artists and programs still that are actually functioning. Mm -hmm. So ours is usually from November to April, but so we limited the time from January through April. Okay. And they're getting tested regularly, okay. but they're doing a combination of in-person training, which is all outdoors, socially distanced, mm -hmm. or virtual, digital. So we sort of re how the program goes. So they still have diction, they still have coachings, they still have voice lessons, acting lessons, um, all of that. That's very important for us here for our resident artist program. And in this festival, we gave the opportunity to them to really sing some of the roles, cool. which, which we really um, looked at all the resident artists that were auditioning to make sure that we picked folks that we knew would be, could stand on the stage with Mike Fabiano. Awesome. Latonia Moore or Isabel Leonard, mm -hmm. you know, those, those people. So they are rising to the occasion and they, they're thrilled. They're thrilled. I mean, when they first arrived, they were like this, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I mean, imagine when you're doing one of your first or second resident artist programs. Well, some of you did at the Met. So you did that anyway. Hello, you. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I did. I had, I had quite a few pinch me moments. Carrie and I, we were talking about that the other day too, how we were both in the ring cycle. Yes. In 2000 and never met each other. I know. How did that happen? I know. How do we miss each other? That's insane. When you know. kept going around in the ring and missing each other. Yeah, that's true. Opera humor, opera humor. And we were both in Rusalka with Renee Fleming. Mm -hmm. And you didn't see each other then? I'm sorry? And you didn't see each other then either? No, but we were in, we were in Rusalka at different times, I think we, we figured out today. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, I was in it too. You didn't see me. I was the tree. 
<laughs> you were supporting Renee. Hey, don't joke. When I, I said when we started at the bet, they're, they're like, what was your first role? And I was like, I was the first tree to the right. And then I was the second tree to the left. You know, you, you got everyone starts out as a special snowflake. You got to start out somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So, so our resident artists, our resident artists are just, you know, they're, they're championing each other. They're really getting to social distance leap social distance, getting to know these international stars. We're also making sure that all the agents and managers that come, mm -hmm. it's a, they get to sing the house auditions for them. Right. So we're, we're doing as much as we can to make it a really important and impactful program for them okay. that still keeps their careers going. Love it. Way to go. Yeah. And we've gotten a lot of sponsorship for that. A lot of people believe in that. Well, they're the future of opera. Yeah. I mean, Carrie and I were, you know, we've had careers. And these young kids, they're, they're going to be the face of the future of opera. And they're the ones who understand this online stuff better than anyone else. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. They're going to be joining you in opera because you both are going to keep singing forever because you're fabulous. And we need you. Yes. Yeah, Carrie, that like, what can I, well, let's talk about you now. We've talked about Palm Beach Opera. Oh. Let's, let's talk about you. How did you get into this world? Of opera. Of opera? Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Let's go back a couple decades. Run it down. You know, I'll admit that I hated opera before I started. Absolutely thought it was ridiculous. Uh -huh. A bunch of people caterwauling yeah. in a, foreign, in a foreign, la foreign language making no sense. Yeah. Like, why? I, I didn't understand. I wanted to be in a rock band, and I was. <laughs> so I was in rock bands, and I sing like Led Zeppelin. Awesome. Boston. Yeah, I did. So I had always sung high like that. So I started to take voice lessons when I was in my early 20s. So I came to this late, actually. Okay. It moved quickly. I started studying in my early 20s. And I just thought, you know what, let's just do it for fun. And it grew and grew. And I had the right voice teacher who knew about really good technique. And I was very, very lucky. And, you know, I look back on that and just think, right place, right time. Cool. Can we get a name? And where it was? Dr. Edmund Leroy mm. at Rollins College. Cool. And I wasn't at Rollins College. I was singing with the Oratorial Society that sang at Rollins College. Mm -hmm. So I started the voice lessons there. And I did that for a few years and realized, wow, this is incredible. And he immediately started me in certain operatic repertoire. And once I understood what it was, I thought, I can't believe I've wasted so much time. This is the most amazing classical art form. It has everything, yeah. drama, incredible music, singing, orchestra, sets, costumes, colleagues. And I was absolutely smitten and hooked. And I thought, and my whole family, my friends were like, who are you? What is this? You just went from singing Led Zeppelin to singing Handel. What is Handel? You know, always has a countertenor. Yes. You know, I, I went the first few voice lessons. I, I went and he was I was singing tenor at that point. Okay. And he said, let's, let's let's just work through your voice and figure out where you are. Mm -hmm. And then in a, like two or three sessions, he said, I think you're a countertenor. And I went. Uh, because I knew of counter, I knew of countertenors and I knew that they sang like um, lute songs. Right. They were in like 
Tallis Scholars or the King Singers, which I loved. Mm-hmm. But I thought, I don't, I don't know if I really want to do that. And then he said, no, 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 just hold on. There's some great stuff here. Let's just start going through it. And then we went through more repertoire and I thought, oh, I love being in countertenor. Well, it, sorry. No, it, it, it was really interesting because this is going to sound really silly, but it really helped find where my voice sang. Mm. Like for real. Yeah. And then I, then I decided to go to grad. Someone said, why don't you go to graduate school to get a master's in voice? I said, can you do that? Because my undergrad is industrial engineering degree. So then I went back to graduate school to get a master's in voice. And that's where Carrie and I kind of met. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I got my manager, my first manager while I was in graduate school with Herbert Barrett, John Anderson. Mm-hmm. Started winning some big competitions like the Met and other things. And, and you had an amazing career. You sang on the major opera houses all over the world. So, yes, you did. All right. So then tell me this. Why did you decide to transition into the administrative side? And what I also find really super interesting about you are the degrees that you did were you to arrive where you are now. And the degrees, were you doing those degrees while you were still singing? Right. So I'll try to make this as efficient as possible of an answer. I started, as you you get higher in the career, you start to meet more of the executive team, as well as the major, major donors and bar players. You both have done that. You understand that. Yes. So you get called to do a lot of fundraising things. While you're not asking for money, you're there specifically for certain reasons. Right. I then started to understand what that was. And I then realized that, wow, there are a lot of leaders of companies that are running the business, yet hiring the artists who don't know artists how to sing, or hiring the artists and trying to run the business, and they don't know how to run a business. Mm-hmm. So I started to think, I think we need more leaders that have both acumen. And then we had the first global pandemic crisis start to hit. And I thought, okay, you've thought about your future. Do you want to be a voice teacher? Do you want to be a director? Or do you want to help the art form in another way? And I felt a responsibility, a personal responsibility to go put my money where my mouth was and be an executive director that knew everything I needed to know. Right. So I started the. I started, I stopped accepting gigs. So I had gigs for like three more years. Okay. And then as the, you know, the space between them, I started to create internships at some opera houses, specifically in fundraising or marketing. Okay. So I, knew, I knew enough about the artistic production. Right. And so I did that all the way through my last thing that I did was a duet recording in Australia in the summer of 2010. And then in August or September, I started uh, the two degrees at CCM University of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. which was which is a Master's of Arts, Arts Administration, and an MBA, Arts Administration Focus. Cool. So I, I tried not to waste any time mm-hmm. between moot transfer, you know, transferring from singing to actual administration. Right. And it worked. I mean, not everybody has to go that path. Not everybody does. There's a lot of singers that go right into jobs, which are great. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I wanted to do for me. And sure. I felt. I felt I needed to do for the industry. I love that. Well, I'm so grateful you did, David. Really, truly. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot to me. It really does. Well, no, I mean, just not to, to take the time to actually understand mm-hmm. the, new, the new job, the new process, the, the whole job, not just the singing aspect of it, mm-hmm. because we are very fortunate that we get to see more of the business, not just the singing side, mm-hmm. but to really understand it and embrace it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Carrie said before about both the, the footlights, and I realized I really wanted to know both sides of the footlights. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's very valuable for the company you work for, the board you have, the patrons you have, and the artists that come work for you. They all of those see how you can work on the administrative side, but also more importantly for artists, they understand that when I talk to them, I know what they're doing and I understand what they're going through. It's a, it's a different conversation than some that they have, as you know, very well know, yeah. some general directors they don't, don't know. know how to talk to you in terms of that. No, I love that. I've always found the whole business itself extremely interesting. And, and it didn't really hit me until what we were just talking about at the Met in the ring and I was a kid and I was covering, but I had to go get my check and I walked through these offices of all these little cubicles and I went, oh my God, like I'm one part of a, in this wheel house that is flying around and what is this business like? How does this function? And um, I just, I've always found it really fascinating and exciting. So, but I really love when a singer actually makes the transition to the other side and understands the whole of it. You know exactly what I'm going through when I'm standing on that stage, singing Tosca, dealing with craziness all around me. And I mean, you understand that, which I feel like gives you this wonderful way to bring in the right people, not just singers, but directors and all of it, the whole picture, you know, you know who you want on a team so that everything is cohesive and works the way it should. Yeah, that's a very good point that I hadn't really quite realized. The understanding of what the team creation and collaboration is, how incredibly important that is. Yeah. I think more singers should know the business side of Mm -hmm. our business and not just the singing side because yeah, I understand the whole, the whole, the cog, not just a cog in the wheel, but the whole wheel and how it has to keep functioning. Mm-hmm. Not just, we, we are such a small part as artists of, of such a big business. Mm-hmm. You know what, what I, I, sorry, what I've realized is that I realized a lot from grad school afterwards, the things they didn't focus on or teach me about or teach us about, mm-hmm. first of all, the business of singing, no one said this is actually how to try to have a career, health insurance, taxes, visas, agents, saving no one really. Money. What's that? Nobody tells you about saving money as an artist. Exactly. It, saving money, finances. You no know what? One. Oh, sorry. But they do in every other music program that is not classical. Like if you go through the music or musical theater programs in schools, they have music business classes. They have those things. I didn't know this until I started talking to somebody else that went through, I think even like the Belmont program here um, in, Na- in Nashville, that they actually have those classes for them. It is not part of our curriculum as a classical music artist to learn business. So the songwriters that are going in there to get their degrees in songwriting and publishing and whatever, they have access to that, not the performers, which is insane because we should have access to those classes or be made to be made to have that part of our degree program. Very well said, Carrie. I Amen. Agree. And you know, I'll I'll admit that when, like you just said, Carrie, when you went down to the administrative offices and you were like, "Ooh, what's this world?" to get your check, I admit that I was a little nervous to go down there when, at some of the big places that I worked. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is and who these people are, and mm-hmm. this feels very strange. And I realized too that I had been so focused on me because it's sort of inevitable in terms of being a singer that you have, it's not that you're self-centered, but you have to be centered on yourself. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is the crap, this is the work, this is the product. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not making an Excel document. 
or a Word document, I'm making it right here in front of 3,000 people. And I think that for grad school and undergrad, if we start to talk about art, talk about this with upcoming artists, mm -hmm. that's gonna really make a big difference. And I think because of this crisis, this is a great time for us to talk about it because younger singers are really starting to understand that. Absolutely. The, the both sides, how they have to come together. Yeah. To make change. Opera, we have we have preached this for the last year, Gary and I. Mm -hmm. Opera needed a, a huge reboot. And I think this is just one small part of how opera needed to change. Do you agree? I would agree, absolutely. And one positive thing is that, that we're trying to help each other. What you guys are doing, you're trying to help each other, you're trying to reach out and just let everyone know they're not alone. And that together we can do this. We need to support and prop each other up. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, more so than ever. It, a lot of the things that used to feel like such a big deal about the career don't feel that way anymore. I mean, it's just not important. The, what's important is actually just making the art and making sure the art is good enough, that the art is important enough, what the stories are and how the stories are being told is important enough, at least in, in what I think. Um, I love that the business wants to change. I want to see it though. I really want to see it. And I'm hoping that it's not all these conversations, especially about the BLM movement hasn't been for naught. You know, it hasn't these people that have been out there being asked to say what they've been asked to say um, really wasn't a waste of their time. Does that make sense? So I really hope that there's change, lasting change that happens. I would like to know from you, if you can talk about anything, is there anything now that you are running this ship, our head of this wonderful opera company that I love so dearly, what do you, what plans do you have for the future? What do you want your stamp to be on PBO? Well, you know, I didn't really realize that I've already started to put the stamp on PBO, certainly in terms of showing resiliency, um, ingenuity, creativity. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to increasing the artistic standard here. It's been excellent, but let's keep going. Let's keep going in those directions. I look forward to continued training of resident artists. I would like to see if we can do more productions. Cool. I know we're seasonal, mm -hmm. but we used to do a performance in December, which around the Great Recession, I think we had to remove it right. in those regards. I would like to see us even be even more, what's the right way to phrase this? Integrated into this community here. I, I know what we need to do nationally and for the industry which is wonderful, right. but this community is a, it's unusual community because there's so much extraordinary wealth right up against extremely underserved communities. Yes. Right. And we do, we do really great with education and community engagement programs. Mm -hmm. I'd like us to find more. I'd like us to find more and be more regularly in their lives, not just one-offs. Right. You know? Yeah. Those types of things. I, I look forward to seeing what we're able to do with this company you know obviously very creative here so we'll see what this festival does and see if, if it stays with us or what format it takes i love that good for you yeah yeah and thank you yeah. mm -hmm. well thank you thank you both for doing this what you're doing for a year oh my gosh yeah we have like we it's not it'll be a year come april i think ninth or something like that a year we've been doing this and we we have interviews and interviews and interviews coming it's, it's like what's happened to our lives um okay happy, happy anniversary we have learned a lot about carrie especially about all uh, editing 
about asking people for interviews. I mean, Carrie and I are both slightly introverted in that sense. Mm -hmm. So asking people to come on our show was a very difficult hurdle for both of us, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, because you're asking someone to come online and talk and it's out there forever. And so, but that's why we do recorded because I always wanted people to know that if they were uncomfortable with anything they said, even up to a certain deadline, I can get in there and edit it out and change it. Um, Because I want what they say and what we say on the internet, something that is lasting forever, that they would never be embarrassed about to go back and watch. Now, there are certain things that she and I do shenanigans and I'm like, oh Lord, mercy that is on the internet. Did we do enough shenanigans on this show, you think? Oh, we're getting to them because we're going to hit rapid fire with you. Are you ready for rapid fire? No, but uh, hold on. Wait, wait, cheers. A fun joke. When you when you did this, yeah. it reminds me of a fun story when I did like 10 shows with David Daniels when he was like his rock star status. Yeah. And every time he'd have one of his nine minute arias that I'd be like, I'd go like, like oh, when, we were, when we were singing Rhode Island at the Met stuff, and he would, I he'd look over at me and I go. All right, rapid fire, rapid, rapid fire. fire, rapid fire. Ah. Yeah, see, that's that's just it's just freaky because you have higher notes than I do. I don't think so at all. <laughs> oh my god! You both have super higher notes. Okay. What is the worst habit you will never break? Drinking wine. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. What one thing has this pandemic revealed to you? I know this must be rapid. Um, It revealed that, it revealed that I have insecurities in there and I'm scared of some things and nervous about some stuff. Beautifully said. No. Beautifully said. Thank you. What's your guilty pleasure? Watching horror movies. My husband and I love to watch horror movies. So we do, we're crazy. So we do super international, like Indian from India, Asian, Chinese, uh, Korean, French, Canadian. You can sleep after that? I know. Yeah, we really do. That is such a guilty pleasure. It really is. Oh my God, I love that so much. So the last thing you Googled. Oh my gosh, the last thing, I actually Googled uh, the Palm Beach Opera website to check something to make sure it was fixed. <laughs> I'll just say my team, my team hates me. So whenever I have any moments, I'm like, I'm like, oh, fix this please. But that's the last thing I did Google. It's not fun. What is a fashion trend that you do not understand? Oh, oh, the the, the uh, spandex jean thing. Oh, like jeggings. 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 And and the thing that I don't understand them is about wearing them out as a fashion thing for like dinner or well when we were all going out for stuff. Like how is that fashionable or dress up? How is that dressing up? Um, BPL, right? I will this make sure next. I will make sure next time I work at PBO that I have a pair of those on first day of rehearsal just for you. <laughs> and you're going to go. <laughs> okay, what's more important to you, music or words? Music. Do you have a motto that you live by or a mantra that you live by? Be genuine, always. Love it. What single person most changed your life? Oh. <sighs> 
you know, that's hard. I mean, there's so many people that have done, helped me change in so many ways. I probably would say someone that was very early in my music exposure. So okay. someone in elementary school, one of the music teachers from elementary school that really like gave me the bell or the recorder to start playing mm -hmm. because that's where, that's where I fell in love and thought, what is this world? What is this world? Because before I was a singer, I still sang in choirs and things, but I was an instrumentalist first. So I started with a trumpet and then went to French horn. That's what we have in common. I remember and, now. So. Yeah, I forgot. We were French horn geeks. Yep, total. That is Wait, did I learn something new about you today? I played French horn from third grade through 12th grade, and I eventually marched it with a mellophone. I marched it with a mellophone and with drum major. I learned something new today. You were a drum major? You know, I, no one, I don't ever get to talk to anyone about the mellophone. This has made my life right now. I don't know if I've used the word mellophone in 20 years. People mm -hmm. Google it. No, that's amazing. Right? More, more, more stuff. This is fun. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Um, what talent would you love to have? The bake, baking and cooking. I'm I'm just not good at it, and my partner does it for us. And I'm so I'm good at eating, but actually baking and and cooking things. I, I do, well, first of all, I don't think I have the patience for it. Okay. I just do. Did you guys do the whole bread thing during the pandemic, like searching for yeast? We didn't. Okay, good for you. Good for Favorite you. place on earth? Paris. It's not looking very. <laughs> you know, and not only do I love Paris, I love the room you're in in Paris. That is my favorite room of Paris. You know, I have to, I have a, a little secret here and I, and I know I shouldn't talk about myself, but this is my favorite dressing room to warm up in because really? it literally is like a bathtub. I love bathrooms warming up in. I love the acoustic in this dressing room and that table right there, when I, can you see that table right there? Yeah. When I yeah. sing a high note, it goes, <laughs> could you not? Yeah. I, I, I'm going to agree with you hundred percent about the, the joy of certain rooms to sing it, of warm up in the acoustics. So Harry Bickett used to be angry with me all the time for always warming up in the bathroom. He'd come in and go, dude, in his British way. Whatever British people say, they say, dude, dude, dude. Hello. Mm -hmm. So do you, so just as a fun question, so how do you work the acoustic differences of the acoustics from your dressing room to what the hall is? Do you think about that when you're warming up in that room? I'm a feeler. I'm not a, I'm not a listener. I'm a feeler. Okay. I think Carrie is too, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And some singers, we talk about this, singers need to figure out if they feel things or if they hear things mm -hmm. or if they're a combination of both when they're on stage, because mm -hmm. it is a huge difference. It is. Massive. I'm definitely a feeler, but I had to hear it to understand I didn't feel wrong or right. doing it wrong. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. Totally. That was that was my first. That was probably my best pedagogy. There, right there. there I love the best pedagogy. Yes. Okay. Cheers. This is. I'm gonna ask. Cheers. I'm gonna ask this question because you are a general director. What opera piece would you suggest someone new to classical music or opera listen to? Oh. I I think I mean the ABCs of of our opera are great ways to start because they're they're timeless. They're still classic, even though we've heard them about 300,000 million times. Mm -hmm. 
Boheme on Friday night, sung well and done well is, is, is there's nothing like, there's just nothing no, like it. There's not. Sometimes you don't want to go see Boheme again, but some, it, I would recommend the ABCs, certainly. Gotcha. So what's the most underrated opera, in your opinion? In terms of mo uh, large repertoire or like random of, repertoire? It should be more popular. Contemporary opera. Okay. I think it, I think it gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. It does. And it, it stems sort of from the 50s, 60s, 70s, when they were just sort of really doing contemporary music based on theoretical things and sort of, so it really wasn't musically sounding good. Yeah. It was way interesting for musicologists and people trying to create an engineering thing onto a, a score, which I find really fascinating. What's that? Too cerebral. Too cerebral. Too cerebral. Mm -hmm. okay. But there is a lot of contemporary opera that is beautiful mm -hmm. and very dramatic and tells a great story mm -hmm. and is written well for orchestras and singers and is captivating for audience members. I think so too. Uh, best advice you'd give a younger you? Just stay genuine. Just really, really stay genuine. And don't fall for the ego thing. Don't fall for it. It's so hard not to. Yeah. I admit I even did it for a couple of years and I didn't like myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't like where I went. Yeah. I really fell for it. And I was one who would never have fallen for it. But it's just it's just the business, like we talked about before, that pressure. Yeah. That pressure, that pressure, and the competition, and your only good is the last gig you sang. It, it's just it really messes with your mind. Yeah. So don't don't fall for it. Well, said. Well, well, you know what? And also actually, when you are, start to understand where it may be coming from in your own insecurities. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really where I punched the I really gave myself a punch in the face and said, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Why are you so insecure that you're actually starting to do this? Yep. I think that social media actually plays into that. And now we're, you know, we're all in social media, everything, our whole careers, your company, all of it is online. And I think there's so, when you start comparing yourself to other artists and where they are in their career versus yours, it's what I was taught early on, don't. You always focus on you, you focus on your goals and meeting those goals and boom, you know, check, 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 stop, stop comparing yourself and stop looking around everywhere else. What you need to do is focus on you being the best artist you can be, period. You know, that's beautifully said, and I would advise, create your own little board of directors that can help you from going down that path. Brilliant. Like oh, we, I hope I, young artists listen to this. I really do. I think they do. Please. So. They love Screaming Divas. <laughs> I love you. Okay. So, more more questions. I have one more and Carrie has one more. Who is your biggest celebrity crush? It used to be Tom Selleck. <laughs> he was hot. He was hot. So that was totally embarrassing. But <laughs> you know what? You know, you know what? You know what? It's it's live life and enjoy it. So yes, that was an 80s reference. Yes, I'm a little older. I love that. But that, was, that, was, now? A, that was a big celebrity crush. What about now? 2021. You, honestly, I don't have time to any crushes. I don't have time. I'm too busy. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't. My husband. My husband. I. My that's husband. what I was thinking. I was like, "Hey." <laughs> Major crush. Always. 
always no, he, he's he's adorable he is he's yeah. super is adorable and super talented um okay question i ask everybody what is your favorite cuss word it depends on the usage but i have to say the f word I love there's it. there's a lot of variety you can get in flavor and color It could be it could be it could be used for like really good things like that was effing great. Yes. Or shut the f up. <laughs> or you know, so it has so much variety in color and flavor, you know, and and universal, universal versatility and universal. Yeah. Kate has a new TV show on. I don't know if it's Netflix or Amazon Prime about swear words and wow. the etymology of them. And I'm telling you, it is amazing. And he is really funny. Nicholas Cage is closet funny. Oh yeah, he's he's like strangely funny. Yeah, we need watch to get that. Him. Yeah. All right, shall I ask the last thing, or do you want to ask the last thing? No, go ahead. If heaven exists, what would you want to hear God say as you walk through the pearly gates? You were beloved. Mm. True. You could say that right now, David. <laughs> he totally would. Thank yes. you. No, that, that, yeah, that was it. Yes, I think that would be amazing to hear, wouldn't it? Yes. I think everyone needs to hear that. Yeah. You know, just to know that that you were loved and what you did was good. You guys uh -huh. are you guys are tricky. Gonna get me all emotional here. Oh, but listen, you wouldn't be the first and you won't be the last. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, there you go <laughs> yes girl that's why we friends okay well well it's seven o'clock here so thank you so much david for doing this for talking about pbo i was so excited to see what you were doing and had to have had to have this conversation so i'm so grateful that you said yes yeah, we did. Are you kidding? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having Pompey Chopra. Thank you for doing what you're doing Absolutely. for everyone. Everyone needs it. So thank you. It's streaming divas coming soon. Coming soon to Pompey. Yes. Nonsense and ridiculousness. So <laughs> yeah, you know what? We work hard. We're, we're, we work hard. We're great professionals. We're very serious about it. We take it very seriously, but we also know how to realize joy is important. Absolutely. Every day. Let me tell you. Yes. Love you guys. Love you too. Thank you. Love you. Good to see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.